So I appreciate the fact that Sherry preached for me while I was gone. Uh, it was a really good sermon. Uh, what I didn't appreciate was the fact that it was so succinct, and as the 815 service said, was really short, Josh. <clears throat> and we were out of here in 30 minutes. Well, too bad for today. Ha, ha, ha. My scripture's 45 verses long. Did you see that? Yeah, I cut out some. My scripture this morning is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 1, and assorted verses through 45. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of uh, Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus had fallen asleep, but I'm going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe but let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Mary, Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha had heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When he, she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. 
Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. Now it's important that you saw that part. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And for all of my youth, the shortest verse in the entire Bible can simply be said by John 11, verse 35, by saying, Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he's been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. Would you please pray with me? Jesus, you are the light of the world. Shine your light in me today. Chase away the darkness of sin, the darkness of fear and doubt and despair, and fill me with the light of your truth, your word. Produce in me the fruit of righteousness, the evidence that your Holy Spirit lives in each and every one of us, and works in us, and works through us. Teach us what is pleasing to you, so that we may be a shining example of your amazing grace your redeeming love and life-changing power. God, maybe, maybe, just maybe, others may be drawn to you through us. In your Son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now I have to be honest with you, as a preacher's kid, I had way too much fun with this story as a kid. Uh, my dad was our Sunday school teacher, and uh, I, my dad always warned me that all of the sins that I did as a child would come back to haunt me uh, when I had my own children. So I remember saying to my dad in Sunday school after this, uh, hey dad, did you know that there's zombies in the Bible? 
because Lazarus doesn't talk here. Uh, so he's a zombie. Dad didn't think it was funny. Um, and I didn't either when my daughter said it to me. Especially after my dad told her the story. But it's a weird story, Lazarus being brought up from the dead, and it's not the only time that Jesus has brought somebody back from the dead. He's also brought Jairus' daughter back from the dead. He brings Lazarus from the dead, and ultimately, he brings himself back from the dead, which we're going to talk about in just a few minutes. This whole story is not the end. It's the beginning. It looks ahead to Jesus' own death, and resurrection, it speaks of Lazarus' raising as leading to the glorification of the Son of God. It precipitates and serves as the catalyst that leads us to Jesus' ultimate death. You see, John's gospel is beautiful in the sense of how he shows signs and miracles. You have to understand that there's a difference between miracles and magic. Miracles are things that you see that no one can explain. No human being can say, oh my goodness, I have the answer to that. A miracle is something that only can be created by God. This sign that points to the larger truth and the story of raising Lazarus is like blinking casino lights that illumine Jesus' own resurrection. and provides the immediate reason in John's gospel for the execution of Jesus. I think it's also important that we comment on the fact that in this gospel, Jesus is fully human and divine. In the Gospels of Matthew and Mark and Luke, Jesus is kind of a robot. He does these moments and there's no feeling. He just heals people and he moves on. In the Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels, you get an idea that Jesus gets tired. You get an idea that he wants to be alone. You never miss the opportunity in the Synoptic Gospels that he has to pray. But in John's gospel, you see a fully human being. He feels things to his core. You can hear him so frustrated that by this point, his own disciples are not getting it. And that Mary and Martha, who are obviously somebody that he's extremely close to and with, because they get brought up multiple times in John's gospel, that their belief in him is enough to sustain them. But they still wonder and still think with human minds. We hear harsh assertions about death and responses that reflect our own harsh and sad assessments about the seemingly cruel joke that death plays on us. When you hear Jesus confront Mary, he says, 
do you believe this? He asks her not just to believe that she ha he has the ability, but he believes that he is the resurrection and the life, and that as the resurrection and the life, he can defeat the power of death. very beginning and at the core of this story the claim is for Mary and Martha the disciples the Jews the mourners and the church in the world that God is present in Jesus and has decisively altered human experience of life and death but how many of us are like Martha that still kind of question this. We cannot fully grasp what's going on here. Let's, let's be honest about it. How many of us are like Martha, where we mirror contemporary Christians and we often respond to Jesus' claim with the same spirit as Martha? Well, theologically, yes, I believe that we can raise people from the dead. But functionally, not so much. And you can hear her argument, right? Jesus, he's been dead for four days. I don't know if I want you to bring him back from the dead. There's a problem here. We don't believe that that can happen. Let's be honest about it for just a second. As a culture, none of us believe that this could happen. That somebody could raise somebody back from the dead without any ability, without any opportunity, and yet it happens every single day, and we have become like robots and don't see it as the real thing. A year ago, Russell Brand and I decided to have conversations about the mental health and well-being of our firefighters and EMS in Perry and Noble County. There have been too many studies that have come out in recent years about EMS workers and the high statistic of suicide, the high statistic of of uh, alcohol and drug abuse, the high statistic of them not being able to stay in uh, a fidelitous relationship in any way, shape, or form. Because what happened in some way or another is, is that we told our paramedics and our EMTs and our firefighters and our law enforcement and our military that somehow, some way, you need to be like automatons, robots, where when you deal with trauma, you just put it to the back of your brain and you squash it and you don't ever talk about it because if you do, it makes you weak. And it's nonsense. Garbage. But yet, as a culture, we continue to perpetuate this myth. Now, the military has taken many efforts to create opportunities for those struggling with PTS and have created support groups and all types of wonderful things to help our military folks as they came back 
and saw God awful things. And then we continue to bring them slowly back to life. In the same time, those that serve in the military as combat medics or those that do that, it's extremely gruesome and, uh, and it's a short-term experience. While you have paramedics and EMTs that spend their entire career seeing it every other day, we don't provide anything for them. There's something wrong with this picture. Let me tell you why. They've seen resurrections. They've seen people being brought back from the dead with no explanation other than an act of God. They don't recognize it. Or they may have at one time. They also get to see the cruelest and harshest aspects of humanity, the things that human beings will do to one another, and yet at the same time they are crying out to a God that says, justice must be taken place, but I still have to patch them up, put them in the back of the bus and take them to the hospital. They've seen people being brought back from the dead with no medical explanation except for But we taught them to be robots. To put it in the back of their brain as is, I was just doing my job. Some of you know that at one point in my life I was an EMT slash paramedic because what I did back then is not what they do today. And as Russell and I continued to have this conversation of what it would look like for us to create some sort of chaplaincy program for the fire department, it would look like what? And slowly, starting in January, I became a part of the Perry Volunteer Fire Department as we weed our way through what it would look like to provide opportunities for them to experience the resurrection for what it is. Now listen. Part of the reason that we did this is that a year ago, our firefighters at EMS in rural Oklahoma saw more than they should have. In urban areas, you see all kinds of crazy things, and I would say that in urban areas, it's kind of like being a combat medic for 32 years. In rural Oklahoma, you don't think you're going to see a helicopter crash. You don't think you're going to see 300 ambulances calls. You don't think you're going to see 85 car accidents and fatalities. You don't think you're going to see that, but they saw many more resurrection stories. I think sometimes we tend to forget that each of you have seen your own resurrection stories, but what happens is, is we become apathetic and we tell ourselves that they don't exist anymore. That I don't have the power to do those things. That's a lie. 
you might bring someone back to life with your very own words. Now, here's the part I want you to catch from this. This is not like making God some sort of crazy genie that walks around and grants wishes and waves some sort of magic wand and, and, and heals this person and not that. The one thing I can tell you is, is that there's just sometimes there's nothing you can do. And death comes upon us all. Every once in a while, every once in a while, if you look at it and you just dig a little bit deeper and you take away the blinders that we put upon our face and you look at it in such a way, you will see the resurrecting power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Just for a moment, turn off what we've seen. Now look, you are all from Oklahoma and you have seen death and destruction more than most other states next to New York City. After the Murrah building, we have the tornadoes. After the tornadoes, we have all kinds of weird and crazy things that take place in Oklahoma. We are literally ground central for all kinds of horrible, evil people that want to go north or south or east or west. For some reason, they decide to make Oklahoma the place to make that happen. And yet, you have the ability to witness the resurrection and change the world. There's another resurrection story. You know about this resurrection story. You know that it was real. You know that it means something to you. And it has changed the world from that moment on. And you have to stop being a robot about it. Claim the fact that our Savior died publicly, that people witnessed, that people saw, and they saw him die, they saw him being put into a tomb, and he rose up from the grave and changed the world without any, any medical explanation whatsoever. And our world was changed. Not like what you would see in the movies, but in the visceral reality of what it is. Church, you are the vessels of that light. You are a part of that resurrection story. You have the ability to preach the word of God and enact it and be the light of Christ to a world that sees nothing but darkness. <laughs> and it's okay. And it's okay to allow yourself to feel the emotions like Christ. You are that image. You have the ability to bring back life from the dead. In the name of the Creator, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.